Podcasting with Kerry Jones. Hi guys, and welcome to this week's podcast. Quite a bizarre thing happened to me earlier this week. I met up with Yestin Evans when we fished down at the local estuary in search for bass. Now, Yestin was the uh, competition winner for, for April, or, or maybe it was May, to win a day's fishing at Paper Mill. Well, the small still waters are struggling now with the heat and the temperatures, so he gave us a shout if I could take him out and fish for bass. So this we did. And he kindly tied some wonderful flies, some real good patterns. Great flighter, I guessed him. So anyway, we started fishing down at the estuary. That's one thing you do learn when you're fishing on a tidal water, is don't put anything down. This is something which Yestin came to learn. Because he put his net down. And it was a good net too. It was um, a McLean's net. And uh, during the day then he realised that the net was down at where we started. So anyway, there was not much chance because the tide came in. We went back and, and it was gone. So later in the day, Yestin left and I decided to wait for low tide just to see if I could see the, the nets once the tide has gone down. Anyway, I had a good look around, good rummage around, nothing, couldn't find anything. So it was one of those things. So we thought that was it. But as it happened, I was going back down the following day to do some guiding for one of my Patreon members, Nigel Hartley. We tackled up and walked, we walked the banks and I was explaining where we're going to fish and this and the other. And I just happened to tell him what happened to yesterday the day before. And just as we got to the spot where I thought, this is where we should start to fish, I happened to look down and there in front of me was the net. Who'd have thought it? So I took a photograph sent it to Yestin and he was actually over the moon as you can imagine so that was my find or my catch for the week anyway and I want to start by thanking and welcoming my new patrons who joined this week and I really appreciate the support of the channel lots more planned as well for the next couple of weeks and those who haven't joined yet please consider becoming a patron we'll get access to over 90 past episodes and weekly podcasts bonus content, photographs behind the scenes to each episode and other exclusive content and competitions each month before I go on to this week's guest, I just want to say I will be in Ireland now fishing for the Ferox throughout September even though I've got some bookings lined up for the Ferox days I have a few dates available if anybody wants to join me and experience an outstanding fishing, these amazing specimen fish, give us a shout so on to this week's episode. This week's guest actually met about eight years ago while I was working for a trout fisherman. He's based in the southeast of Ireland, near Waterford. But he's not just a trout angler. It's plain to see when you look at his Facebook page. He also has a passion for saltwater fly fishing. And he tells us about his methods and areas where he fishes for the bass and mullet in and around his home, in the estuary and the sea, and around the Copper Coast. He also goes on to tell us stories of how he started fishing when he was a young boy, fishing the river around his town, as he tells us of the regular trips he takes to go up west to fish the Corrib, 
So welcome to my chat with Jason O'Riordan. Hello, Jason. Well, how are you? <laughs> Not too bad. You well? Good, good. It's been a long time since uh, I saw you last, I spoke to you last, and I was thinking back, I think it must have been 2014, maybe 15. Yeah, it's been a while, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were over in, you yeah. were over in, in Waterford there. Yeah. Time. And do you know what? I've been over many times since, passed through Waterford, and each time I come over and I think, why don't I get in touch with the fishing again, you know? Because I normally just head over to the west, get on the ferry, and drive over. And that was such a good day we had in Nogadelli, isn't it? Yeah, geez, you, you, you had a really nice brown trout, I remember, at the end of the yeah. day in that bay. Wait, I had two, two I think it's two about six pounds. But that bay, yeah. you, you took me to that bay and it was like, it just happened, one of those things that come together. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a lovely lake. It is, yeah. Do you still fish it? Yeah, I, I fish it in the winter... Um, a little bit in the winter and, and the early season because the saltwater fishing around here you're really talking April before it's going to kick off could be May if the weather is cold so yeah. you know it's nice to have something like that that you can go down get into the boat uh, we use it a bit a kind of practice I know you love carob my, my friend Dave and I we go up fairly regularly and you know just to sharpen up just to go out on the on that still water there and pull a few flies before you go to the big lakes is, is, is good, you know. Yeah, yeah, I do remember it well. It was For me, it was very similar to fishing Chew Valley Lake, uh, the same methods, techniques, and similar lake because it's very shallow, wasn't it? Yeah, it's pretty shallow. Actually, some other time when you're over, we fish the other lake. But then we have another lake um, called Carrick of Entry. Uh, gets big hatches. Is it? You'd love it. You'd love it. It's a bit smaller, but I mean, the hatches are. It's one of the few lakes where you see trout coming up taking damsels, adult damsels. Right. There's a, there's a guy, he, he does a bit of boating on mask. He's in, in the club there. And I'm sure I've seen him dapping the damsels with a dapping rod. Really? Do you know what? Yeah. I was talking about this in my last uh, post- podcast, actually, about. Um Hatch is a thing to expect in the summer. And I mentioned about the damsels. And damsel nymphs, yeah, a lot of people have caught, you know, and, you know, it's, like it's probably the biggest part of a trout's diet in the summer. But I've never had a fish, spooned a fish, with an adult damsel on it. You'd actually see them come out of the water and take them in the air in this lake sometimes. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. good to they see. They kind of come back. It's a bit like mayfly. They seem to come back to lay eggs. yeah. And they, they, they fall spent on the water. Um, and what you get some years is you have that, that weed that grows up and it's sort of touching the surface. Yeah. And in the afternoon, you'll see all the damsels come back onto it, sort of clumping onto it. And the trout just switch on. They know it's going to happen. They know what time it's going to happen and they'll be on them. So, no, yeah, it's good. Just, you so, know, kind of going into the autumn, good good daddy fishing and stuff there too. And what lake is that again, you said? It's called Carrigavantry. It's, it's just outside Waterford. It's, it's pretty, probably closer to the city than the one you fished. Is it run by the same club, or is it totally different? Yeah, same club, is it? same club, so same access. Another nice, good facility, floating pontoon boats for for members and guests and all that. That's same sort of setup yeah. as, as before. That's one thing I noticed. Yeah. How switched on the club was. I have never seen a club with so much facilities as they had then. 
I pilots and you know what I mean, all the things you you know, you go to some fisheries before and that you know, just a port a cabin with a toilet in it somewhere to, to freshen up and Nocadary yeah. is even a bit more done to it since you were there. Um, you know, they've another another cabin there now and there's a table and chairs and kettles and lads just go in and fry up the food and Yeah. Yeah, you know, for for a long day. It's it's nice just somewhere like that to pull in, have the lunch, bit of banter and go back out fishing. Yeah. Well, if it's fishing, well, next month, well, say next month, September, I'll because I'm going over for the month in September. I'll either call up on the way there, over to the west, or on the way back. I'll have to see. Yeah, no, you'd like to try this lake if it's if it's fishing well, you'd you'd, you'd enjoy it because there's good hatches and dries. Dries should be good there in September as well. Daddies, I guess, is it? Daddies, yeah, daddies. Um, and there's some nice browns in it because I know, look, the rainbows are good and they, they, they can be good when sometimes the browns are switched off. Yeah. But it's it's nice to pick up some browns there too, like, you know. Yeah. That's one thing I noticed about Nocadary. We had um, some really nice rainbows as well. And they weren't your, new, your normal stockies. You could see they were overwintered. They were the big tails bloom on the fins and it, 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 they were something special. So there's... You know, because there was so much feed in there, probably, you know, they're going to keep their weight. Yeah, there's a lot of food, we'll say, on the bottom, yeah. you know. Um, bit, I suppose, you know, shrimps, hog louse, nymphs, I, yeah. a lot of that stuff. Not so much normally, traditionally, not so much surface type. I know you pulled a few um, with, 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 your, with your sneaky hoppers that you have. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah, uh, Crixes, you know, there's a lot going on under the surface, whereas this other lake, Carrigaventry, now is real olives. I mean, gee, this, it's like a hatch of canis when the olives are on, they're just all over you. Yeah. you. I yeah. remember, it wasn't yeah. until you mentioned that, no, I remember, because we, we tried a few different areas and we anchored, and when we were pulling the anchor up, you were showing me the amount of food in the weed on the bottom. Yeah. So, so there's no need for them to come up sometimes, I guess. No, no, it, it's funny. I fished Sheelan this year, and and the guys were describing because I'd never fished Sheelan. Oh yeah, and they were describing that you know, fish won't come up. There's so much food on the bottom, and they were talking about what the fish were feeding on. And I was going, this sounds like Nakaderi. Yeah, you know, early season, you know, fish won't come up, even though you might get get a at a hatch a small buzzer or something, and they just nothing shown on the surface, but. You catch a fish, a spoon, and it's full. Like, yeah. So, how did you, you know? Sheeling sounded a bit like that. How did you do in Sheeling? Useless. Um, <laughs> to be honest, Ara, I'd never been, and it was it was a sort of somebody pulled out, and I just sat in the boat with a guy, so we didn't get out for long. I saw maybe two fish for the day, which I, again sort of seemed like what I what I'd heard. Um, I caught a couple of pike. <laughs> Right. On which I wasn't expecting. Yeah, there's one or two anglers I know that fished it. That they do fish it quite often, and in the spring, for I think about two or three weeks, they couldn't go wrong. They're only only fishing small buzzers, you know. But like you said, you wouldn't see much on the top. But they were there no. feeding like a frenzy down below, and they were getting like six fish a time, maybe more, and they're all good fish, like three pound plus fish. Yeah, that that's what I said to. Um one of the chaps I know fishes it regularly, Kevin Sheridan, he's a he's a fly tire, he does, does a lot of fly tying demos. 
and um, he fishes it. And I said, Kevin, I think I'd rather go up there early season. Yeah. Um, this was meant to be kind of spent Mayfly time when I was there. Oh, and nice. I saw probably more spent Mayfly than I'd have seen on other lakes. But what what I was told is that that's, that wasn't a big fall of spent for Sheila. Yeah. So it was a small fall of fly, which, you know, if you're used to Corrib or somewhere, you were saying, God, look at all, all these mayflies coming off. But it's not not for Sheelan. Sheelan, from what the guys tell me, when you get a big fall, it's, I mean, clouds of, yeah. of fly lights coming yeah. back. That's one thing I've never really experienced, a, a great hatch of spent in the West on Corrib. Or any of the waters over there. It's not really known for spent, whereas the Midland waters are. You know, and I fished Ernell for the first time this year. And uh, we just fished literally spur of the moment. And we went out for a couple of hours. And we moved a couple, but no, nothing, nothing. You know, we just hit. It wasn't the best day, to be honest. But I like to spend more time in the Midland waters, though. Yeah, I mean, definitely the spent now. I was surprised that it's it's not that big a lake, Sheelan, and there was a lot of boats on it at the time. Um, one of the chaps I met, he had had a fish the evening before on a Murroch. So he waited until the spent was over, and then he pulled he pulled a, uh, some sort of a dry sedge anyway yeah. um, into the dark. And again, he said it was about a 20-minute window, but he got a fish. Wow. Um, but yeah, no, look, it's an intriguing, it's a kind of, have this thing if I go to a lake and, and uh, if I if I blank I, I'm just planning now for next year for that lake yeah. just, you know just if I get one of the good fish off it I'm, I probably wouldn't be going back there yeah. all the time but yeah. um, I just like to catch one of these Sheelan trout now that I've kind of been up there for a look around so we're planning planning an early season trip next year for yeah. maybe a bit of buzzer fishing I think I might see you there then maybe so tell me, how did it actually start for you? Because I noticed really you're into your rivers and your bass especially, but we'll come on to bass in a minute. But how did it all start for you with the fishing? That's just funny. It's actually started with sea trout. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, there, there's a small river in the town here called the Colligan. Um, it used to be, back in the day, I suppose before my time, it was a really prolific Sea Trout River. I mean, a lot of guys from Wales used to fish it. Right. We used to, every summer, we used to meet guys who were who come across from Wales to fish it. Um, there were some good size sea trout taken from it, you know. Yeah. Uh, nighttime fishing. So my brothers fished. My dad fished. He tied flies. He was pretty good fly dresser. Um, and it's funny actually. I remember I learned to fly cast at night. So when I started fishing for brown trout in the day, because there's no real brown trout in that river, it was small things. It was all mad because I could actually see where the trees were, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. so what we used to do is you'd, you'd pull off an amount of line and you'd cast across some piece of fast water um, near where you were going to fish. And you basically counted the amount of, of retrieves. So it was, you know, 10 or 12 or whatever. And then when you went fishing, you pulled off the same amount of line and you you, you knew then that you were casting across the far That's bank good, because yeah. on a really dark night, you can't see. Um, and I mean, it was probably the same. I, I, I expect you've done some, some, some sea trout fishing where you're from. Uh, they were pretty strict, I mean, about torches, uh, all sorts of stuff. 
Um, and we used to have some great fun. In my father's time, he told me guys used to walk from the, from the local factory at lunch hour, put their rod against the tree where they were going to fish, go back to work, and they'd arrive back maybe half nine, ten o'clock that night, rod still standing against the tree. That was their spot. Really? Making them imagine, imagine doing that now. <laughs> your, rod, your rod wouldn't last long on a river, I'd say. It wouldn't. Um, yeah, that's what he used to do back. And certain anglers at certain pools, he said, and you daren't go into a guy's pool. Like he'd pretty much chase you off and say, hey, you can't fish here. Um, that's like and, the, uh, it's like the Germans with the deck chess. The, <laughs> the, old, the old timers had their... They had their pools and they were able to rest the pools and nobody was to fish it before they came. And obviously in my time, it wasn't quite like that, but lads would arrive out maybe, you know, an hour before dark and they'd sit under a tree and that's where they were fishing and you had to go to the next spot if you'd like. Um, and you could go and fish, fish the fast water. I remember one night I got in because I was only... I was fairly young. They used to let me walk from home. I'd walk out fished. And once I was back about 12, 31 o'clock, I was okay. Yeah. Um, so particular night, it wasn't that dark. And there was an old, an old timer that had been fishing, fishing the river a long time. And he said, you're too early, young man. So I went up into some fast, streamy water and I had a fly. Um, it was some sort of an American streamer pattern I'd seen in a book. Um, I don't know what they call a hornberg or something. It had like a teal wing with yellow stripes down the side and a hackle in the front. It was an unusual looking thing yeah. at the time. I went up and I, I was pulling this thing. Basically, it was like a streamer across the current, and the fish were just hammering it. Every cast, I was hitting the fish. So about ten or twelve fish. I knew this fella comes around the corner, and he said, "What are you getting them on?" And I said. I call it the too early fly. <laughs> I know all that. But he, he um, yeah, he just, that was it. You know, I mean, sort of modern things, even surface flies really weren't, you know, it was just wet flies at the time when we started off. And look, they caught loads of fish. Um, but the, the river would be full of fish. I mean, you'd look into any pool. And uh, it's funny, you guys, um, you have a name on the small sea trout in Wales, don't you? Oh, the schoolie. Schoolfish. Schoolies, yeah. yeah. See, schoolies with us generally means bass, when you, where, where yeah. I live, on the coast. So they used to call, on, on our river, I don't know if, if it's a thing in the southeast, I've never heard of another, but on our river, they would say that there's a, there's a big school of blueheads oh, blue in the river. Yeah. And when you look at the schoolies in the water, they would have a bluish tinge to them. Yeah. So, you know, they distinguish between a sort of a, a good size sea trout, we'd say sea trout rather than suing, and then the schoolies were all called blueheads. So a guy say, oh, I saw 50 or 60 blueheads in such a pool or, or that, you know. But, right. I mean, uh, God, every night, you know, you go and you catch fish. Every night, it didn't matter. And there'd be maybe 10, 15 guys along the lower river, especially all out with their fly rods fishing it. You get the odd fella used to have a maggots with the with the with the floats with the lights on them. And they would catch any amount of the, the schoolie size ones. Really? But they tended to lose bigger fish because they were fishing like two and a half pounds. 
yeah, yeah. tip it to the, to the hooks. Um, I remember one time a, a guy from Wales down on the tidal pool, I walked down, I was looking, you know, because I was going to fish that night and he had a keep net. I'd never seen a keep net because there was no course fishing here. No. And I saw this thing and I was kind of looking at him and I was saying, he's got a net in the river. Like, what's he doing here? And I said, well, a bit brazen because I, I could tell his accent. He, he was definitely, he was actually Welsh. And uh, I said, what's the story here? And he pulled in the keep net. Man, he's schoolie sea trout inside in it. He must have had 50 or 60 of them. Like. What was the point of keeping him in the net, though? I think he was a more of a coarse angler. Oh, right. So he yeah. kept them all, and then he spilled them all out at the end. He just caught them, put them in it, and spilled them back in. I thought perhaps he was going to keep the bigger ones or something, but... Um, no, no, did, no. I think he maybe he wanted the weight at the end, you know what I mean? What weight yeah. of them? He'd probably take a photo or something as well. You'll do well um, to fill the net these days. Uh, look, I, I like all these small sea trout rivers that suffered a lot from poaching. Um, I generally only fish it now after rain. You know, when you have a bit of a spade coming down it. Yeah. It's catch and release, single hook only, which is it's not, it's not any harm. But, I mean, the, the lad with the, his fly rod or spinning, he's not really doing a whole lot of damage compared to the poachers. You know? I remember one night, <laughs> it, was, oh, it was so funny. This lad, he was saying he was catching a lot of really big fish. Yeah. And back then, I mean, they started when I when I was young. I remember, most lads had carbon um, rods were only just coming out. That a lot of lads still had fiberglass rods, and uh, it was it was it was funny. He was telling everyone in the pub and all he was catching all these fish, but nobody could see him on the river. So he arrived one night anyway, and uh, my father was he was cheeky enough. So he went up to him and he said, show us how you're catching them. So he said, show us. <laughs> so your man went to tackle up and he actually couldn't fly fish really at all. And what happened to him is the line he had for the rod was so heavy. It was a salmon line. It wouldn't go through the rings. The whole place was standing watching him after all his this, these stories he'd be telling everyone in the pubs. And um, <laughs> he couldn't put the line up through the rings of the fly rod. Jeez, that must have been some thickness of line oh the small little I'd rock. say he wasn't seen he wasn't seen for about six months I'd say after this guy <laughs> you imagine the embarrassment of it you know yeah but uh, I'd have used to be all sorts of, of banter and messing going on and you know there's, there's more and more that, people fishing for sea trout in the day now I noticed you know because when you think about it you know like Karan the, the sea trout feed in the day or not supposed to feed they take your flies at least in the day so I think, you know, I think I wouldn't say it's a myth that they only catch them at night. You obviously do catch them at night. But I think more and more people now are coming to the idea you don't have to wait till the night to catch these seed trout, no. No, I mean, the Blackwater, which is kind of famous for salmon in our parts, the Munster Blackwater. I fished it a few years ago, evening fishing with drive. And I wouldn't generally night fish on the black water for sea trout at all. I'd only fish the evening rise. It would be nearly all dry fly I would do. And I know some of the guys that, that are big into the Euro nymph and that sort of stuff here, Yeah, they pick them off with the nymphs quite regularly. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they're popular now, aren't they? It's a, it's a bigger river. You know, in a small little, really small little spate river, I've seen guys trying to, to nymph them and I think the problem is the fish are a bit too spooky in the day, you know. But on the on those slightly bigger rivers, 
there's no you know there's no no problem it's just like fishing for any other trout yeah so certainly the the drives and that and my thing with the daytime fishing and the and we'd say floods you'd probably say spades i lost a lot of big fish at night in a small river there's branches hanging in there's snags everywhere i lose a lot less fish fishing streamers in a flood yeah, I think the angler has the advantage there when the water's coloured and the fish, you know, he's fresh in, he's not used to the pool and you know the pool and there's daylight. You can follow a fish, you know what I mean? You, you can see everything. So I would say I would say my percentage of larger fish landed is, is higher fishing during the day than it is at night, actually. Right. And what is your biggest sea trout? Well, on our river, I think if you're getting anything kind of three and a half pounds up, Nice. That's a good fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we normally would get a run of fish sometime around late May. It might be the earliest of them. They tend to be bigger fish. Yeah, same, yeah. And then you get these sort of smaller fish come in August, September. It's probably typical enough. Yeah. Um, and, and you get the odd big fish. But, I mean, I think the biggest fish I've had out of it was around seven pounds. Nice. Sea trout. And, you know, I know when I was younger... I used to see lads pulling bigger fish. And um, I was walking the bank one time and I was heading home and I spotted one of the, the local poachers. He was walking, he was going walking in the road. I was, you know, I was only in my early teens and I presumed he had a salmon in his hand. Because after snatching this fish out of the river, it looked to be 20 pounds to me as, as a kid, you know. Jeez. But I heard afterwards that the fish was around 17, 16, 17 pounds, and it was a sea trout. Wow. And, and I said it to one of the, the fisheries guys some years after. I said, you know, they told me that fish was a sea trout. And he said when when he was working um, and he used to check the salmon nets on the local headland here, which is Helvick Head with a fishing area for, for trawlers, uh, he said every year, there would be some big double-figure sea trout caught in the salmon nets there. At the time when, you know, they were allowed to net salmon um, out, out at sea, he said every single year um, in the boxes there'd be some big double-figure sea trout. So it just goes to show there, yeah. they were there, you know. Have you got water there now? Because we haven't got hardly any water here at the moment, so nothing. No, we've, we've, we've no water. I was, I was walking the dog. I have a couple of spaniels here. <laughs> And I was walking the pup, um, trying to train him badly, <laughs> and yeah. uh, he, um, he he could he could walk across. You know, he could cross with wellies. Uh. Um, I think up the west they've had a bit of rain. Um, down here it's, it's it's stayed pretty much dry. Maybe it'll be a good September. Uh, look, it doesn't. The good thing about being based where I am is there's something else to fish for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is you know, this is yeah. going to come to actually because looking at your Facebook page, am I right in saying the bass is your main passion, or is it just like you just got lots of bass pictures on it? No, I, I, I don't mind what I fish for. I'm, I'm funny that way, and people always ask me, you know, when I'm guiding and that, they say, "What's your favorite fish to catch?" I don't, I don't care. I mean, you know, I'm as happy up on Carib in the early season drifting along as I am in the height of summer fishing for bass or, or up in the black water or shore for salmon, I think, you know, what I like is to have a good chance. I, n- I don't care about not catching fish, but I'd love to have a chance of a fish. 
Yeah. So um, I think, look, we could put it down to global warming, Kerry, or whatever, but the summers are getting drier. You said it there. You know, they're getting drier and drier. Oh, yeah. Um, if you went back maybe maybe over 10 years ago, I would have been salmon fishing all summer. Loved it. Yeah. You know, big into it. They put a lot of time into the, the casting, all that side of it. Um, and then, you know, you come along and the river's down its bones. What's, you know, and you're there with your fly. And, but you might get an hour yeah. before dark or something, you know. Uh, so, look, I'll fish the reservoirs. It, it, this is going to sound now like a, a, a guy who fishes 365 days a year probably. But, you know, I fish the reservoirs through the winter into the spring. I'll do a couple of trips up the Carib and mask. I usually go up and fish with Tom Dock if he's available. Or if not, we, we fish ourselves. And then, you know, you're into a bit of early season bass around sort of late May. So early May, you get a bit of salmon. You know, you get good conditions for salmon. Late April, early May, you get that run of springers. Yeah. Um, and then you're into bass. And then the busy month for me really is September. If you get rain... As you said, you know, the lakes will fish well. There'll be salmon running. It's a good month for bass. Yeah. But June, July, August, the weather we've been getting the last few years, bass fishing is, yeah. is, is, is what, you know, it's, it's the thing to do, you know. I've always thought that the season anyway is short. You know, as soon as you started the season, like March, April, before you know it, it's September. So if you just put your rods away for like July, August for the trout, it's going to be even shorter. So the last three years, I've gone into this bass fishing. And it is addictive, you know. You, you, I, I fished like an estuary um, to one of the rivers here. And it, it's actually, it hasn't been great this year so far. But I will still go and do it. But if you didn't do that, you know, the trout fishing does almost switch off, you know. Th- there are areas and days where you get certain hatches where they come off, but... You know, when there's heat, this is more suited for the beach. And at least you get a suntan as well when you fish over a pass. <laughs> yeah, look, a, a lot of lads don't want to, you know, to go through phases where they don't want to head up to the river at 9.30, 10 o'clock and be there until 12. You know, they have small kids, you know, and different things and families. And, you know, it's the same with, with the night fishing for sea trout. You know, you go through a period where you just can't put that time in. Yeah, for a lot of people, and you can fish during the day, and on your weekends when you're off work, you can fish in the middle of the day. So you know there, there's not much else to fish for. I mean, I've seen some of the local stillwaters have to close for a week due to the high temperatures. Even this this year again. So yeah, um, you know there's there's really limited options, and yet these these bass and mullet. I mean, geez. In our estuary here, these golden grey mullet, I mean, there must be thousands of them. They're everywhere. Like. Really? Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you're surrounded with these things. Are they the, um, ones, are they the ones, though, with the, the yellow cheek spot on their cheek? Yeah. 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 Um, like, last few years, they've been gilt head bream caught down. In, that's a new thing. That's, that's the warmer water. Like, there's species being caught now that traditionally weren't being, being caught like. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I had smelt on the fly. Um, again, that was a new thing for me about a year or two ago. I caught a couple of smelt on the fly when I was targeting the mullet. Um, 
We've had golden grey mullet, mullet, bass, garfish, flatfish. Yeah. You know, you go up the river, you're fishing for eater trout. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's kind of, you know, yeah. you go out there, there's so many different things you can catch. You know, especially with the fly as well, because you can catch all different sizes of fish. Yeah. Do you fish for these in the sea itself, or there's a, there's a tidal stretch like an estuary? or? With both. Um, with that little river I, I said to you, and there's a smaller one, again, it's very short, um, called the Bricky River. They run into the, the harbour here in Dungarvan. Oh, yeah. And bass will run right up, right up the river. So the last two weeks, the lads have been catching them practically in the town with the lures. Yeah. Um, on, the, on just on the bridge in the main road, I've seen the lads fishing under there the last two weeks. Every day they've been fishing, but um, then you can go sort of out of that bay if you like along the coast, what we call the Copper Coast. It's got a great, great name. Um, Copper Coast towards Waterford, or you can head towards Cork. All good bass grounds, you know, Waterford, Cork, Kerry, all good, all good bass. Wexford, all good bass fishing ground down here. Yeah. Have you met James Barry on your travels? Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't meet him fishing that often, funny enough, but I know James. I've met him a few times. He was telling me stories about the Copper Coast and, you know, the fishing that can be had there. Yeah, he, he would fish a lot of Tremor um, towards me, and then I'd be fishing, say, Dungarvan towards Tremor. All right. Um, now, look, you could meet the lads. Anywhere, you know, he, I know he fishes around the place and he travels around the place too. Um, but look, for me, if I'm getting fishing on Garvin, there's no, there's no point traveling to Tremor. Right. You know, it's a bit like, you know, you go out on Corrig or, or, or Mask. You, you know, what's the point in driving past a load of fish in certain bays just to go to another bay? Yeah. Fish, fish the ones in front of you first and if they're not taken, then move. But. Would you be fishing the fly then? Yeah, it's funny. I started off. Obviously, you were saying where did it start, and obviously it was the sea trout, and then onto the onto the stock lakes because there wasn't much in my area for brown trout, and then at the black water and the shore we had salmon. I was got a car, you know. I was in college. I was able to travel a bit. Um, an odd trip up west, and then you know a friend of mine had a, had a boat, and he'd been bass fishing all his life with lures spinning lures and most weekends he'd say to me do you want to come out on the boat if the weather was good I learned a lot from that guy about you know where bass are and just the sort of seemed like stupid places to me to throw a lure into such shallow water from a boat and God, these bass were, would be hunting right on the edge particularly when you're in a boat you know there's nothing on the shore that, that would push them out yeah um, a good few years fishing with, with, with that lad Michael very, very good bass lure angler and also a very good boatman. You know, that's important. You know that from the lakes. Just to line the boat up in certain coves along the Copper Coast, he's, he's really good at that, you know what I mean? In, in choppy, bad weather, a lot of the time he was, you know, rough rough water. He was good at that. He still is. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I learned a lot from him. And, and obviously that was weekends. And then I was off during, during the week. He was working, so I used to go fishing from the shore. And the last probably three, four years in particular, the amount of fly anglers that want to go saltwater fishing has just exploded. Have you got any gear as such which you always use? You know, do you use like, a, like I don't know, a 10 foot for a, a nine or something like that? Um, 
yeah, I always bring two outfits. It, you know, I've always two outfits because really you're not sure what you're going to come across. I'd always have a nine foot for either a five or a six. And that doubles up for mullet and schoolies. Um, and I use those that length for guiding as well. You know, five and six was really? a lot for guiding. I mean, this year alone, I had a chap from Florida. He had two good fish over 60 centimeters. Um, one of the, the, the other lads, Christoph, he had a fish over 60 centimeters. So, you know, you'll get fish six, six and a half pounds. You, you, you'll, you, you'll manage them on, on a five or six weight. What are these, mullets you know? or, or bass then? Bass. Is it? So yeah. you, you know what you're getting fishing. at distance? You're fishing in amongst rocks, I guess, then, yeah? No, no, no. When when you're over in September, I try and get you try and get you down to show you what the what the the harbor is like here and the outer bay. Yeah. Basically, if you think of a bowl shape, yeah, and across the middle of it, you put a sand spit almost a whole distance across, and you're just left with the narrow river channel. Then, so there's one and a half miles of a sand spit in Dungarvan Bay, and that is pure sand, like a beach. Yeah. shallow so it's a bit like bonefish you the can flats. walk along yeah yeah flats with gullies knee deep to waist deep nice um gin clear water and you can see the fish really oh yeah i mean the mullet you can walk out and they'll be just circling you yeah uh, i remember the first time i brought ken ken wheeling you know ken yeah pretty well known yeah i know the name like, i don't think i've ever met him i don't think he came in and he said to me, he says, you realize, he said that, you know, there was a mile long by 500 yards wide of fish. Wow. It was flat calm, big spring tide, hot weather. Um, water was gin clear for wading. And everywhere you looked, there was fish breaking, swirling, splashing, all different species. You know, there wasn't a mile long of bass now, but there was like from pretty much most of the length of the sand spit for, you know, a reasonable distance out that you'd look was fish. Yeah. Like I'd often video the fish there, but I wouldn't put it up on Facebook. I'd, I'd share it amongst, you know, friends and that. Would, would that stretch uh, the water then be tidal? Yeah. So it's completely dry up until probably the last two hours before, before high. And then, then it starts to fill the gullies. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you're standing on on the spit at, at low water, all you'd see is sand for quite a distance. And there's oyster, there's oyster farms out there then um, closer to the edge of, of the tide at low water. And of course, that's great food and ground for bass to come in over. They love oyster trestles. Do you find there's a difference in your success rate if you fish at night or on the day for bass? Um, with lures, I would. But with flies, not so much because a lot of the locations, the lure lads are fishing at night, calm nights on open beaches. Sort of places where you see all the tourists hanging out right. during the day. Um, I Although they catch the bass quite close to their feet, the takes are quite close in. Right. What I've noticed is that I don't think I'm reaching them with the fly. Yeah. You know, I'm not getting the distance with a fly rod. I mean, they're throwing these hard lures. 
let's say they're throwing him 100 yards. So I think the bats are following him in and taking him. Yeah. But I've tried it a few times with various lines and flies and things. Um, now, your standard sort of channels and currents and places that you'd get fish during the day, they'll, they'll produce at night as well um, with the fly. But the open beaches, I, I haven't had great success um, compared to what the lure lads yeah. The lure lads would be catching. Yeah. So that that to me is 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 either look maybe I haven't cracked it yet, but I put a good bit of time in. Um so I think it's just a, a distance. You know, I reckon if you'd have been in rod in the bombarda and you were casting it out with a fly on the back you would catch the fish. Yeah. I found that myself. That there's one or two really lovely beaches here. And uh I've done that technique, you know, where you, you wade in the beach in the evening time, up to your knees, see. And then, but you're casting close, you're casting behind, still in, in the shore, you know? And then, yeah. I'm having bass sort of in two or three inches of water sometimes. Nothing big, you know, pounds, maybe a bit more. But you have lots of them, and then I think, right, the bigger ones are further out. So you, you're trying to cast them first further out. But I don't know, I don't know if it's, if, if it's because I'm not reaching them as well. The bigger fish are probably keeping the distance. Yeah, I, I think so. And they, they'll come closer at night, but that's closer for a spinning outfit, not necessarily closer for a fly outfit, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But certainly, like, the the, the the main harbour estuary marks, you know, you can fish them at night with the fly. In. But they're good in the day as well. Yeah. You know, and you have a current, you have a flow of water, and um, movement, the food's moving around, and that's really that's really good, you know? Yeah. Um, but no, sort of these kind of open coast beaches, I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't really put much time into night fishing them at the moment anyway, because I've given it a good try and it didn't, it didn't seem to, didn't seem to be very productive. Are most of your fish coming to like bait fish patterns, like streamers or closers, or, or have we tried this? There's quite a few people now I notice on social media, one or two friends of mine, they're fishing just shrimp patterns, you know. Yeah, well, that's, that's, I suppose, going back to what I was saying about having two outfits. Your your lighter outfit's going to be your shrimp patterns, very small bait fish, mullet-type flies, could be dowelbacks, could yeah. be ass worms. Um, and then your, your your heavier outfit, which, which for me is a nine-foot nine weight, that has two purposes. Either it's windy or you're out on really rough, rocky ground, or you want to chuck some sort of a surface fly, you know, with a with a with a lot of foam or, or that or deer hair on it, that your five weight's just not gonna you know, it's gonna struggle to cast it. Yeah. Um so like last week now I'd fish on on surface flies, crease flies. Uh, I think I I would I went I went myself on the Friday evening, I'd eight 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 bass, one one nice bass and the rest were small, all on a on a sort of a popper type fly. And you know, I was using the I was using the nine weight for that. Right. I wasn't worried about. This. I mean, this thing lands, and you're ripping it, and you're making a big commotion. So you're not worried about. But you know, that was over shallow, sandy, clear ground. Yeah. Um, but normally, traditionally, I would be fishing that same location with smaller flies, um, lighter tackle. You know, it's really clear, it's shallow. A bit of stealth doesn't doesn't go astray. But you see, you know, like. Colin McLeod, you've probably seen him on Facebook, very famous mullet 
mullet fly fisher man is a book on it. Look at the bass he picks up when he's mullet fishing. Yeah. You know, there's another guy, very good fly tire. Uh, I think he's around near Wales, Darren Jackson, you'd see. Yeah. Um, again, you know, he picks up good bass. Sometimes he's at mullet as well. So, you know, I think it's horses for courses. It's it's location and, and, and method. So, yeah. but, you know, I think if you just bring one out to it, it's not going to cover everything. So you know it's what? like having a dry fly and a wet fly outfit in the boat, you know? Yeah. It's something which I when I go to the river or the estuary, I'll go maybe twice a week. Well, depending on the tides, like and uh, you know, I'm having I'm having bass, good bass. Sometimes up to maybe the best last year was about five and a half, something like that. And then, but when I'm fishing, I'm seeing these fish come in, swirling on the surface. You know, you they, they, like an hour and a half, two hours before the tide, you can see them coming in, and they they think right, here goes. But I I guess it's the ones you're seeing on the surface really. A majority of them are mullet, and but there's bass amongst them, and I'm having these bass, and I'm fishing these streamer patterns, but then you're seeing so many of these mullet, and like last week, I gotta say, I saw two which I would put my house on. They were double figures, because they come up and they just flash on the side. They, they, they as they come in past, you see they they flank, and I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, and I'm thinking to myself, and you see them. In the sides, then in inches of water, feeding on you know on the fresh flooded air, they come in with the tide on the shrimps and and stuff, you know. So I'm gonna hold fire the next couple of trips on the bass, not fish the streamer patterns, and trying to concentrate on the finer stuff, like you said, maybe the apps bloodworm or uh, little shrimp patterns or dialbacks or, or some and go finer, you know. Is that yeah. something which you do then? Yeah, and you don't have to go too fine, if you know what I mean. Like, I suppose in the old pound-type system, you're looking at sort of 8, 10 pounds. You know, you don't have to go down to 3 or 4 no, pounds. You know, you don't have no, to go no. down to, like, dry fly-type tippet or something. Um, they're, they're, they're a bit they're a bit leader shy compared to a bass, but, I mean, you could nearly get away with rope with a bass at times. You know, they're, they're aggressive, like. Yeah, yeah. But you'd be surprised. I think if you try that... You you'd be surprised the bass you're going to pick up. Um, there's, there's an old saying down here. When I was a young lad, I used to ask a lot of people about certain spots, you know. And I'd be saying, "Is it only mullet?" And all the all the experienced lads back then all said the same thing: bass will swim where mullet swim. Yeah, yeah. So you're seeing mullet in swimming, feeding in a place. You can be pretty sure there's bass in there too. You know. Um, but you need to be a bit more delicate about it, you know. Yeah. That's all. I I think if you try that, you 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 know you you'll in your head you're targeting the mullet, but you might actually get your biggest bass doing that. Yeah, yeah. But but what I've noticed is when the fish have more like passed me in this area where I fish, they come in with the tide and they go up the river then, and then on the way back down, they they they're a lot slower when they come in. They just want to they just want to move. They they dart in past you. You might get the odd one, I find. But when they come in down then, and like an hour before the tide has dropped again, I see them in the sides, and there's two specific different type of feeding fish. The ones you can see the swirling, they're taking their time swirling in the sides. Now, to me, I guess they're the mullet. But then now and again, you see typical fry feeding action. And there's like lots of fry in the sides, like, you know, you're talking like an inch long. 
and I take it that they are the best then. Because you find mullet don't actually feed on um, bait fish patterns as such, do they? And the coat at times, again, you know, if it's available, yeah. you know, it's the same as in some locations. Not not down where I am, but in Kerry, they, they, they feed on the maggots, you know, and the rotting weed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and guys are, are clever. They, they pull the lumps of weed down to the to the low water. Right. And as the tide comes in over the weed, the maggots are getting washed out and all the mullet hang, and probably some bass, they hang around yeah. that spot then. Um, it's it's kind of like a ground baiting technique. Yeah. Um, we don't seem to get the maggots in the in the weed here. You know, I've turned over lots of lumps of smelly weed and that to see. Um, seems to be a lot more shrimp where where I am uh, and worms. But I think what what you're watching for with the bass, like if you if you think where I am, where like on a good evening, hundreds and hundreds of yards long of fish. And there's different species. How do you pick out the bass out of that? Yeah, you can't. And it's a bit like you're saying. The bass, he'll crash in. Yeah. You know, when he's feeding, he'll crash in. You'll you'll almost hear it before you before you see it. Um and that's the thing. The mullet don't start to crash around like that. They get active, they get busy. Green, isn't they? Almost. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen them on the mud going around in circles like maybe six or eight or more of them, all going nose to tail in a circle. Really? There's a spot down here. There's two spots here <coughs> near piers where they do it. And I was watching them. Because you're high on the pier, you know, and you can see. And I said, why do they do that? And I think what it is, is one guy's disturbing the, the bed and the other one coming behind then is able to pick off the food. So they're all working together. Right. So you watch them. It's amazing to see. I mean, the circle stays the same size all the time. And they do this, and then they might break off for a few seconds, and they'll come back in, and they make another circle, and they'll go all around again, nose to tail, over the mud. And, and it almost leaves indents, you know, in, in the mud when the tide goes out. Oh, right. Like little yeah, yeah. You know? Um, amazing to watch, and they're feeding, for sure. Um so I think there may be, I know it's just a theory that, that, that they're sort of disturbing the ground for themselves as well by yeah. doing this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, look. How has it been for you so far this year? It's been good. We've been mostly lads that are more interested in the bass. So we're sort of, you're hedging your bets because the schoolie bass will feed on the same, same stuff as the mullet. They're in the same areas. You know, that, that sort of tackle setup suits the, suits the location as well. So yeah, we've we've had a few mullet, a good few mullet lost, um, and and quite a good, good, good few bass now. To be fair, we've had really good starts on a mixture of shrimp patterns, small bait fish, and then the last few weeks I've started to see more fry. Yeah, yeah. Around, um, and they're a nice size, and and certainly the poppers are starting to starting to work now as well, and and I suppose I haven't done a lot of fishing around low tide. Funny enough, which which which, which is one of my kind of favorite times to fish, and the area you were describing there as well. I think one of one of the things to do is is to swing your fly, to cast the fly slightly up like you would for salmon almost idea, and just let it swing. Don't retrieve it, or if you are really really slowly. I, I've seen over the years where where people are fishing in a 
sort of an estuary channel with a flow like that, where they're casting and stripping the fly the same as they would out on the open coast. Often the, the bass are there and they will not take it if you're doing that. Unless you're casting and letting it swing, you won't get them. Yeah, there's no need to be fast then. No, it, it, I think it's not natural. Everything is just being washed along at a certain speed. Yeah. And you're pulling something at, you know, 50 miles an hour. It doesn't really... You, you will get some fish. But I remember one time I was I was guiding some journalists, you know, for magazine articles. And um, I was sitting on the shore and I could see these sand eels coming down the channel and they make these little V, you know. And I was watching them and all the lads were fishing intermediates with bait fish patterns, um, you know, deceiver type flat wing patterns, stripping them. <clears throat> and, they were, and I couldn't understand why they weren't catching because, you know, there was fish being caught there for the few days before. And I'd had a few fish. And I had one of the other rods left on the, on, on the shore with a full float set up. And I actually put a tube fly on it, plastic tube, full floating line, plastic tube. Um, so short tube with a sort of a long wing, the sandy looking pattern. And uh, the lad said, I'd be saying, look, come on, you have a try, you have a try. So I walked out, I think five casts, I had five bass. And I never retrieved I cast, and as it would swing, a bit like a wake lure for sea trout, you know, it would create that same V. Yeah, so there's a bit of a flow there while you were fishing then. And there was a flow, yeah, and it was quite a fast flow, and then it was slowing down as the tide dropped. And as the the real fast current went out of it, the fish seemed to appear at that time. Yeah. And just swinging across, and um, every time it would come to the surface and create the V, the bass would take it. I know what you mean. As it's coming round the last, the end of the swing. Yeah, just before it was straightened out. Yeah. yeah. And that's the way, and, and ever since I fished that mark, whether it would be with a tube or a standard fly, I fish it the same way. I cast, leave it swing, and only retrieve when it straightens out. A bit like wet flies, you know, the traditional wet flies in the river. Yeah. Um, and, and on that sort of dangle, when it would straighten out, you'd, you'd often get a hit as well. Like, yeah. Um, but if I was there casting and stripping the fly, you know, it's happened to me too often to be a coincidence, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and even the density of the intermediate lines sometimes, if you're fishing in shallow shallow places, a, a lot of the intermediate lines, I think, are, are sinking too fast. Yeah. I, I, I tend to fish more often than not the floating line. Um, and the reason for that is sometimes I'll, the only time I fish an intermediate Sometimes if you get really rough weather at sea, when it, it brings in all the crap and you get a lot of these, the, the weeds are on the surface. And then it's almost every cast. Your line's catching it, your, your fly's catching it. That's the only time I'll use an intermediate then. It's to just try and get underneath it a little bit, you know? Yeah, even the sinking line, if there's waves, if you're out on the coast, you know, on the rock marks, it's, it's that distance between the tip of your rod and the fly where your line's, getting all snaky because of the waves and you, you know if it's getting down through it you can control it you know yeah. it might even mean keeping the tip of the rod right down in the water as well just just to keep that contact like you know yeah do you ever eat bass uh, no sure I, I don't eat hardly any fish no i'm a same um i'd have an odd client that would want to keep a fish most of them don't to be honest and i always say to them if you want to keep a fish 
keep a fish between 50 and 60 centimeters, you know, then around 55 centimeters. Um, you had a fish around two and a half, three pounds, something like that. Yeah. And there's no point keeping, A, they're so slow grown anyway. B, it's like anything, you know, I, 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 did, a, I did a similar podcast for someone lately and I said, you know, it's, it's like eating lamb or ram. You know, yeah. why would you, why would, so those big old bass that are really important for spawning and, and, and are very slow growing, yeah. don't, don't kill them. You know? Yeah. You know, yeah, you want to yeah. keep it, keep one. The, the size over here is, I think it's 43 centimeters. Yeah. And you can keep two uh, per month, except for three months in the winter where, in the winter and spring, I think it's December, January, February, it's, it's catch and release only. Um, and you're not likely to be fishing for bass. There's certainly not fly fishing for bass at that time of the year anyway. I'm not a lover of fish full stop, any fish, to be honest. But once a year, we it's more of a tradition thing. You know, a group of us get together. And uh, on the on the Corrib, for instance, we, we make, we we all meet up for lunch on one of the islands. And uh, we'll, we'll have two or three maybe between us, maybe six of us, you know, and we'll just fry them up and... To be honest, I, I don't like the taste of them. To me, I don't know what it is. I, I don't don't see the um, the attraction in them. And funny enough, going back to the bass, the only bass I've actually killed was the first one I caught. And we did a feature when I was working for the magazine down in West Wales, and there was a guide with us then, Vaughn, Vaughn Thomas. And uh, so the feature was to try and catch and then get it to the pan within, you know, straight away. And this we did. And uh, I had a nice fish, probably about two and a half, maybe, something like that. And uh, we killed it, and we cooked it. It was on a disposable barbecue. And uh, so it, it was on the pan, and in our belly, within 20 minutes of catching it, you know, maybe half hour. And that was one of the most tasteless things I've ever tasted. And I thought, what is, you know, and bass is quite a delicacy, isn't it? It's quite expensive. And I was, I had a friend then, a long time, a while after I was telling him, and he was a chef, and he said, I'm not surprised, he said, because really speaking, the majority of fish you catch in the sea should be eaten the following day, because then they got the flavor in them, you know, something I didn't know, but uh, I'm not in a rush to eat another one. Will you carry on fishing now? until maybe September when you go back to the trout fishing, or will you just really... Um- no, I mean, bass fishing here will run into nearly November. So, you know, like I was saying earlier, like when you get to, when you get into sort of May, then you're, you're moving from the, the lakes and river into the bass. And that continues on. Then you might do a little bit of a day and a day or two on the lake. Um, I think I'm going to Corrib maybe next week or the week after for it, just, just up and down for a day. And then every year around the end of August, I go for three days. Um, always the week of my birthday it's a bit of a treat for myself I'll always go try and get up to Corrib for three days and, and, and we're planning that uh, we were on to Tom but I think the World Cup's on in Mask he's busy he's probably boating for, for, for that and lads are out practicing I suppose so so we're hoping to get up maybe middle of next week or the week after just for a day it's changed too for me you know four or five days a week on the coast you, you know what I mean? Getting up to the lake is, 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 is a bit of a novelty again then for me. So yeah. September is a busy time. And then you've October's a really good month for bass, and especially bigger fish. 
and then November. And what what I find happens is the amount of fish you catch in a session goes way down. Yeah. To the, to the extent in November that you could fish two or three sessions for no fish, but that one fish could be, you know, a double figure fish. Yeah. It, there, there's no, there's no immediate shortage of big bass, you know, in Southern Ireland, like Southeastern Ireland, there, there are plenty fish from eight pound up. And I, I, there's a guy down around here that does that, you know, that snorkeling with the spear gun. Right. And, um, he couldn't do it for two years because the rules were catch and release. And obviously you can't <laughs> catch and release. <laughs> but I remember one day I was driving down and I parked, I was going down fishing on a mark and I went off fishing a bit and I was coming back and he arrived back. He'd come along in the meantime, he was parked there. So when he was coming back to his car at the same time and he was walking along with this bass and he had it caught by his waist and the tail was dragging along the ground. Wow. So this is a big, this is a big fish. And I said to him, oh, you know, you got one. I said, there's no point fighting or arguing. You know, that's what he's doing. It's legal, you know, just because I'm into fly fishing or whatever. And, you know, I, I want, want to be killing a big fish. You know, and, he's, you know, and I was asking him a bit about it. And he said, you know, bigger ones are a bigger target for him. Smaller ones are a lot harder for him to shoot, he said. Right. Which, you know, made sense when I thought about it. And he said to me, he said, did you catch any? And I said, I had one or two small ones. I'm not surprised, he said. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them along there. And I just looked at him. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? So when I was snarking over there, he said, there was loads of them. He said, they were everywhere. And I hadn't caught any of my fish where he saw the fish. You know? Um, so, you know, those guys, they're in the water with the fish. They, they're a good source of information. Yeah. If they'll tell you, you know, um, where there's fish, and like he he showed me pictures on his phone and the size that I'm sure some of the bass were twelve and thirteen pounds. Have you had a double yourself? Yeah, yeah, I know I've had a good few doubles. Um, more on the lure when I was spinning at yeah. the start. I suppose it's, it's 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 a bit easier to catch catch on that. Um, but I had a few on the fly. The biggest I had was twelve and a half. Oh, um, lovely. But you know you measure them, and there's a conversion thing online yeah. that can tell you the tell you the rough weight. Um, and I went through one year. I remember I was sending off scales, and I had a couple of sort of nine pound plus, you know, fish. Uh, they can weigh heavier different times of the year. I, I expect too, you know, if you were weighing them, but they've been better conditioned. Like, um, but no, I've had a few, and I've had a couple on the fly, which is which is good. And, if you were lure fishing around here and you're putting in a lot of time, I think anywhere from like five or six fish up, you know, over 10 pounds would be achievable in a season for most lads to be putting in time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and certainly, I know because other local lads around here, obviously they're on social media and I see their catches and stuff. And, you know, certainly fish kind of over 70 centimeters. So, you know, kind of seven, eight pounds, Plenty of them caught, particularly with the lower lads. Um, but we've had, it's still early enough in the season for us. And a, a lot of lads I'm guiding, you know, I'm not fishing a lot of the time because I'm guiding. And um, a lot of the lads wouldn't be that experienced. So we've had a good few fish over 60 centimetres, which is, you know, in the six pound bracket. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's 
that's encouraging, you know. Have we got any goals for this season? Um, you know, after after COVID and we were we were restricted, and I could fish. I was lucky. I mean, even within five kilometers, I could I could bass fish. Yeah, you know, there's certain, certain locations in the estuary up, up the river channels, and that 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 would have been I could fish, and, and certainly when it was ten kilometers. But I know, you know, it's funny for me. It's the company. You know, like a, a day out with yourself now in September, I'd be looking forward to that for the crack. Like, yeah, it'd be good. Or the day, you know, the days on car of myself and Dave and Tom. I mean, geez, how he doesn't throw one of us out of the boat, I don't know because there'd be serious slagging going on, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that's what it's about, you know? It's, it's, it's catching fish is obviously a goal. And, you know, that's why I say for me, it's, it doesn't matter what I'm fishing for. It's it's the day out and it's the fun and like the guiding. To be honest, if you got all awkward lads, you probably wouldn't stay doing it. And I, I have a lot of sympathy for people who, you know, are are so reliant on it. Like the guides up in you know up in Carib and some of the salmon guides that they have to guide whoever. I don't. You know, I'm in a lucky position. I teach. I teach full time and then I guide the rest of the time. Yeah. So if I don't want to bring a lad out, I won't bring him. Like. <laughs> you know, I don't. You know, I'm, I'm not in a position where I have to take him. Yeah, you know. Well, you got to uh, have your own time to fish as well, especially if you're working. You, you, you know, you wanna, you wanna fish yourself. Yeah, look, I try and do a couple of days a week, get a day's fishing in myself or a day's shooting. I, I like, I like to do a bit of shooting too. You know, and come, come up, come October when the bass fishing ends, then you're into pheasant season, starting then in November. And, Keep you going through the oh, winter to get a few feathers, right. a few feathers for tying flies out yeah. of that. And, you were saying you know, about um, the company you enjoy. When I'm fly fishing, I just love company. You know, it, it's, it's nothing better. It's just to have a chat and you do things together. You go on the island, have some lunch or whatever. But when it comes to trolling, I have got to be on my own. I just I don't want to share the rods. They my rods, and then oh. you know. <laughs> but after saying that, I do enjoy now. Um, Guiding. I've started taking people. I got bookings already for September. Uh, well, I take uh, guests out to try and get them to to catch um, a ferox. You know, just for ferox fishing. This is not for trolling. And I, you, you meet some great people from totally different backgrounds of life. You know, I was with a guy last May, and um, he was over the moon. I got got him to get two ferox. One was. Lem and the other one was thirteen, if I remember right. And he was over the moon. So mm-hmm. I was I wanted to take some pictures, you know, and he, I I got these photographs of him with the fish. He said, Do us a favour. He said, Don't put him on social media, he said. I said, Yeah, no worries. Why is that then? He said, I'm supposed to be in work. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, we get a bit of that. It's funny, it'd be the same for me if I'm targeting big bass. Um you know, it, it's time consuming and you really have to have the patience that you might blank. I'd imagine you could go trolling for ferox at times and it could be two, three days for one. Oh yeah. One, 10 minutes of, and the rest <laughs> of activity, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's the same with, with big bass. If you get conditions, you know, it's hard to, it's easy to say, but it's hard to sit there for hours, you know, in a boat or if you're bass fishing on the rocks or on, or on the estuary, Casting and casting and casting. You need a certain mentality 
to, you know, a lot of the lads that come to you to guide, even if you say, look, if you're coming in November, there's going to be a lot of time when you're not catching and you might catch, you know, your biggest fish ever. I had a guy a couple of years ago came, he was a lower fishing guy, came in November, it was getting late in the season, he was, he was fishing for two days, so we got four sessions in, you know, between kind of outgoing tide, incoming tide, and on the third session, he had his first fish, so he a day and a half. Now, that was his PB bass, I think it was about nine pound fish. Right. I remember trying to video and releasing it, but the light was bad on the, I got it, but it didn't look that nice because it was real glare. Yeah. A glare in, in, in the water that day. But he caught mackerel and coal fish and other things, you know, while he was waiting. But I could see, you know, his idea of bass fishing was the schoolies. And, you know, catching five or six or more fish in, in, in a session. Yeah. And that's not what you're, 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 you know, it can happen, but mostly you're in November, you're going for big fish and you're going to have a lot of time where you're not catching, but you you may well catch, you know, late October, November. That's your double figure fish. You know, I would have more more double figure fish, probably ninety percent of my double figure fish are caught October, November. It's it's a mind game, it's definitely a mind game a lot of it. Getting big fish in whatever species I guess, you know. And like I found when I used to start off going to the Carib for the Ferox, you know, I, it would, like I said, you'd fish for a day or so, nothing, and then you'd have a nice fish, seven pound, eight pound, whatever. And it, it would make a day then, but then over the years then, I went to bigger and bigger, and I've learned that there's different techniques, different mounts, different size bait for the bigger fish. And then, so I didn't want to catch these smaller fish then, these seven, eight pound fish. And I catch like a big, big fish, like a high teen. There's a certain method which I've got where I can go all week, 10 days, without having a hit. And you start to crack, you think, shall I go back to just fishing for one or two of the smaller ones, just to break it up? And I thought, no, I'm going to keep at it, keep at it. And it's a mental thing, it really is. And then when that rod goes round, then you know you're going to got something great on, you know. But it doesn't help when you go into the bar at the end of the night. And then they say, any fish today? And I say, no. And then they'll have two or three, maybe, like, you know, on the fly. And you keep saying no, no. But I thought, one of these days, I can walk into this bar and I'll have something to remember. And But it is. It's definitely a mind thing. And I find it takes me three days to get my head into the zone. When I go f- to the Corrib, I will be there for three days before I feel relaxed. And know then, I don't mind not catching. Knowing then, you know, you... You're fishing the right way, the right bait, the the right mounts, the right areas. So, but it's it's something which grips you. It, a lot of people will try it, and they get fed up. You know, if they can't they can't have it in the day, you know, they, they're not going to do it. Big bass are the same with lures and flies. You know, you have to be willing to put up with. You know, even I remember in the early days with the lures with the soft plastics, we used to fish these senko worms. And if you fished one four or five inches long, you could catch schoolies away. But, but once you went six, seven inches, you started catching less and less and less yeah. of the smaller fish. But you, you're still getting the bigger fish. Yeah. You know? Um, I remember I went through one, one year in, in October where I didn't fish any lure less than seven inches long. 
I even I specifically got ones eight inches to fish. Um, wasn't catching a lot of fish, but I was get the fish I was getting were big fish. Yeah, you know, you think these these big bass, you know, feeding on joey mackerel that time of year. Do you know? Yeah. yeah, you know your flies, your flies and your lures. They have to, they have to, to represent. I, I'm convinced they are feeding on smaller stuff earlier in the year, because most of the most of the food items start off small and they grow bigger as the year goes on. A bit like probably the coarse fish that the perox feed on. You know, they start small and they get bigger. Yeah. But I think what happens a lot of times is the smaller fish are on it. Yeah. They'll they'll have a wash before yeah. the big fish. Yeah. You know? They'll have a yeah. they'll have a nab, you know. So I'd say it's probably the same trolling yeah. in the early season. The trolling with a yeah. small couple of inches long thing, sure. All officially something that size. So you're hoping that the big fella out at all those is gonna yeah. grab it. So it's not, like I, I think I was on carb when you caught that big fish. I think I was there that oh, week. Oh were you? And another lad, Shane. But we were staying across the road. Well, you were in Burks, I'd say. That's right. You were, you were in Eddie's, were you? We were, we were across the yeah, we were across the road in in the we might have been staying with Roy Pierce or someone, but we were across the road. And we had seen you out trolling. Did you? I remember saying to Shane, look at that fucking idiot. <laughs> Lunatic. <laughs> Trolling around all day for days, hoping to catch something. You know, and we're here catching. And you know, it's, just, it's a funny logic, you know. There's some fella probably saying, look at that idiot with his fly rod in November, you know, trying to catch a fish. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, we were, I think we were there that week. It was a big right. commotion we heard in, in, in the bar across the road it about was, this fella yeah. with, the big, with the big fish. And we went across, if I remember rightly, and I think there was a crowd of people around you maybe oh. every night, I'd say, for a couple of nights. Yeah. And they were, we were saying, which fella is it? And there was a fella with the pint of Guinness with no hands on the glass. No hands on the glass. Drink, drinking the pint of Guinness without holding the glass in his hands or something. Oh, I didn't do that. No, that wouldn't have been me. <laughs> Wasn't it? You wouldn't no. do a thing like that. No. I do a straw. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that actual day was some minute because after I caught the fish I was out on the lake and uh, it was a big wind, it was a big north wind this one day and uh, anyway I, I played it for about hour and a quarter it was I hooked it at two o'clock and landed it at quarter past three and then when it was in the net I was, I was mentally drained as exhausted as well as physical so then I got on the phone because there was no one else out and there was one of the boys then, Paul Garrity, he was a friend of mine and he was about four mile down the lake. So I phoned him and I just said, I got a 20. Oh, I'll be there now, he said. So I just motored round into Lord's Bay, which is a bit sheltered at the time, not far from um, uh, uh, Roy Pierce's, actually. And then he was nice and calm there. He came along and he could say, Jesus, that's the record. And I, just, I knew it was. And uh, so little did I know then, we motored in, I went in and he went in on his boat and he made a phone call to um, Burks that we were coming in we got a great fish so I didn't know this so I was just travelling in in my car now right and all of a sudden as we come down the into the village now right there must have been about 150 plus people in the street it was like a royal visit the jungle drums had gone out then you know and I thought what month was it what month yeah oh me me the yeah, yeah, we were there. Yeah, it was May. Last That's week, what I was thinking. Last week of May. There, May. Yeah. 
Because that's the thing, see, a lot of people think, why would I want to be fishing trawling when there's great mayfly fishing around then, you know? But I used I used to find that the end of May coming into June is is peak time myself. There's less boats on. Most of the people who fish the mayfly are like first, second, going into the third week. And then it, it's a little bit quieter then. And I do like that. And into June even. So, and you get a lot of calm, calm mornings too. You do. And another thing as well, I, I remember, like if I'm out trolling, I just got my trolling gear. Not a fly rod with me. If I'm fly fishing, I got my fly rod. It's neither. I, I never have them both. But I remember a couple of the mornings I would go out early. I'd be there four or five o'clock some mornings. And then you could be out in the lake, right? And it's alive with fish rising. Unbelievable. And it would never fly rod on me. And then sometimes then, sort of like eight o'clock, in the distance you'll hear some boats coming out, ready to fish. And it's as if the fish are switched on, right? As soon as you hear that engine, that boat come out, slowly you see them start stop. You know, they, they don't rise. They are so fine-tuned, these fish over there, like, you know. Oh, no, they know when I'm coming anyway, they definitely switch <laughs> Well, I'll you tell know, you what, we'll do a deal. You take me bass fishing when I'm over next month, or September, and I'll take you for a day on the lake, on the Corrib. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that some somewhere, I think, yeah. on the lake. But yeah, no, come down and we'll, we'll we'll do a bit of bass, and we might get out on the lake as well. I'd love to do that. Um, yeah, yeah. Whatever the conditions suit, if the weather is good and 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 calm and sunny, we'll do the bass. And if it's yeah, sounds good. Not for the bass, we'll go down to the lake. Well, it's been nice catching up again and having a chat. Um, is that time now? I got one more question to ask you. Where would you want to be to make your last cast? Make your last cast. Uh, look, uh, I'll tell you where, but before we put in a proviso, I think we're going to have to change this question, Kerry, to who would you want to be fishing with when you make your last cast? This one now for going forward, yeah? Because for me, it's the company, you know? Um, so with that in mind, you know, if, if I was on my own, I'd definitely be November on a certain spot on the Copper Coast with my fly rod, trying to get that bigger bass, you know, the 13-pounder. I know there's, a, there's definitely one out there. But, you know, other than that, it would be probably out in the likes of Car of Our Mask with, with Dave and Tom, or it wouldn't matter. It could be up to Blackwater with, with my buddy Morris. You know, it's the day out, the fun, as you said, in on the island for a bit of food. But it's all about the people you meet and the company and a bit yeah. of fun. You'll remember. I could talk for ages now, and I've thoroughly enjoyed our chat again. It's been a long time. And uh, yeah, hopefully. I'm looking forward to September. Yeah, definitely. I'll keep in touch now. And I hope you'll um, yeah. you'll have some success now until then, and uh, we'll catch up in September. No problem. Thanks, Gary. Many thanks, Jason. Take care now. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to listen to more, please consider becoming a patron, where you will get over ninety past episodes and weekly podcasts, plus photography and exclusive content. To join visit patreon.com forward slash casting with kerry jones or see the link on my website castingwithkerryjones.com well that's all for now tight lines and don't strike too soon <laughs>